Good morning, good friends, and welcome to worship here at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. No matter who you are and where you are, we're glad that you have found your way to this sanctuary. Uh, here in Charlotte, it is a rainy Sunday morning, and we hope that you find shelter and comfort and war warmth with us in worship this morning. A few quick announcements before we begin with worship. Uh, today is a day of baptism, uh, the celebration of what baptism means and how that plays out both in our congregation uh, and beyond. And so it is with a warm heart that we welcome a few of our third grade families who are here with us this morning to celebrate as their children receive their third grade Bibles. And also we welcome uh, Lauren and Jonathan Korch and of course your extended family who are gathering with us from near and far as you present your twin daughters for baptism, Nora and Emery. So welcome to worship. Um, a quick note about mission here at Selwyn Avenue. We could not have imagined that this global pandemic would have been going on for 10 months. And we continue to live into our baptismal vows on behalf of children and their families at Montclair Elementary School. Next Sunday is a first food Sunday, which means we invite you to bring by uh, groceries and staples for the pantry that's housed at Montclair Elementary School. Uh, the pantry is empty. And so if you can make a note to help us by dropping off your food by next Sunday to the front porch here at Selwyn Avenue, we would be grateful. And now let us prepare our hearts to worship God. ago, there were parents and there were infants or children who made vows of baptism uh, on behalf of their own children. And this morning, we celebrate both this congregation and the many adults who have cared for the children that will come stand here around this font as they receive their third grade Bibles. I invite Amelia and Owen Sauda and their parents, Evan and Jenny, Tate DePhillips and her parents, James and Andrea DePhillips, I think her mom is with her today, and Stella Wolf, who is here with her mom, Kelly, and her dad, Justin. 
parents and even you third graders, as you receive your Bibles, you're invited to also dip your fingers into the baptismal font and remember your own baptisms on this special day. Let us join together in the responsive call to worship. With what can we compare the kingdom of God? It is like a mustard seed, which sown upon the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. And yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. O oh, holy God, we regret this morning with joy and gladness for all the seeds you have planted deep below the dark ground and for all the tending and loving care for all the spirit and We greet you with worship and praise. You are the planter. Your spirit is like light. We are leaves. Your word is like water. We are the branches. Your son, Christ, is the center vine. And we are your church. Amen. We are people of the word. Scriptures shape everything we do, from the prayers we pray, to the service we engage in, to the forms of worship we have. Scripture is a witness without parallel to the unfolding story of God. Amelia, Owen, Stella, and Tate. Today, we, the people of Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church, honor our baptism vows by continuing to support you on your faith journey by giving you your Bibles. We pray that you will draw comfort from the stories and the words of God and that you will open your Bibles and that as you do, you will draw closer to God and you will hear His word through your reading. Parents, if you would present the Bible to your children. And let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word and ask that you inspire these young people to seek you in your word. Help us all to know you more, Lord and help us to support these children and their families. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. And as Lori said, if you'd like to dip your fingers in the font and go, you're welcome back to your seat.
God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I have come into the deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my tears, and my throat is parched. Let us pray responsively. Lord God, all creation, we come to you from our storm-torn lives to seek your peace. We come in our uncertainties, anxieties, and fears. We come to you knowing sometimes My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. O oh God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. We have not relied on your word and wisdom. We have not shown concern or compassion when we should have. We have not loved our neighbors as we love ourselves. We have remained silent when spoken and spoken when we should have. O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me. Do not let the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up. We seize this moment in our lives for yet another chance to hear you say your sins are forgiven. May we mark that grace by our response of gratitude and love. This we ask in the name of your Son, who calmed the storms with words echoing the centuries. Peace be still. Amen. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own that are in bonds. Let the earth and the heaven praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. In Christ, the mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting. God forgives us all our sins, strengthens us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit keeps us in eternal life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. 
In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. With great joy that we invite Nora Henning and Emery Hazel Court here to this baptismal font, along with their parents, Lauren and Jonathan Korch. Assisting in this baptism this morning is Elder Clark Walton, who knows a thing or two about twins. So we welcome you here. You go on this side, and then we'll have Clark over here. We also especially welcome many supportive family members and friends who are with us uh, in spirit. Of course, we wish you were here in this sanctuary, but we feel your love and your support with us here in this moment. Uh, grandparents to Emery and Nora, Scott, Sherry, Nancy, Gary, and Ursula. Their great aunt, Tina, who helped out with some ear infections, I think, last week. Aunt Rachel, Uncle Justin, cousins Palmer and Sutton, and close friends who have dedicated and committed to help in the spiritual nurture and care of these children, Samantha, Daniel, Morgan, and Kevin. We welcome you all. We are separated, but we are together in Christ. Baptism is a visible sign of God's invisible grace. It is here at this font that we are named and called and marked by God's grace in Christ. We can do nothing to earn this grace. It is by God's holy invitation that we share in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. In this baptism, you are indeed invited to remember your own baptisms, the day when God and a congregation of believers said yes on your behalf. It is through baptism that we enter the covenant that God has established, nurturing, renewing, and sustaining us all the days of our lives. Lauren and Jonathan, your choice to bring your daughters to this font, in this sanctuary, with this congregation, is courageous and bold. Your choice to say yes on behalf of Emory and Nora is a sign of how seriously you have taken the call to parenthood. Perhaps more important than your own yes is God's yes for you both, your daughters and your marriage and the family that you two are forging together here in Charlotte is real. God's yes is louder than all the no's that you will hear along the way. The fact that God comes to us as an infant child reminds us how much faith God has in us to raise children like Nora and Emery. The fact that God has trusted you with the care of these girls reminds you of just how much God has faith in both of you. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are enough. By the power of these baptismal waters, you too are worthy. By the love of God through the church, you are never alone. I know that you can't see the faces of our congregation, but I promise you, they stand with you this day and they say yes, too. So if you ever lose your way, if this parenting business ever becomes too difficult, I invite you back here to this font and remember the day in the middle of a rainy Sunday in a global pandemic when God said yes. Yes to you, Lauren and Jonathan. Yes to Emery and Nora. And yes to Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. I'm moving along. Let's go. All right. Putting your whole trust in the grace and love of Jesus Christ, do you desire to have both Nora and Emery baptized? Yes. 
Will you be responsible for nurturing Nora and Emery in the faith and life of the Christian community? Will you, by your prayers and witness, help Nora and Emery grow into the full stature of Christ? Yes. She's going to be a preacher. She's going to be a saint. <laughs> Do you, the people of Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church, promise to share with Nora and Emery the good news of the gospel and to help them know the peace and joy of the cause of Christian discipleship? We do. We do. Promise your prayers and fellowship, carrying the encouragement to this family, that the cause of the household of God may be strong and enduring. Well. Let us rise and say together what we believe, using the historic face of faith in the church expressed in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your gift of baptism. Thank you for inviting us into a life of love and fulfillment with your Son, Jesus Christ. As we continue to be isolated by a pandemic, we gather here at the font and we are reminded of your abundant grace. Thank you for the renewal of our baptisms this morning and for the covenant that you make with each of us through this sacrament. Especially we thank you, O Lord, for your choice to mark baby Emery and baby Nora with the sign and seal of your Holy Spirit. Open their hearts and inspire them each day so that they may seek you throughout their lifetime, always knowing that the covenant we celebrate today is unbreakable. We are reminded of your creativity and intentionality through the uniqueness and beauty of each person you place on this earth, and so we give thanks for the joyful surprise of creation and birth. Guide Lauren and Jonathan in grace and fortitude as they raise their children to be disciples of your love. Grant them continued patience, forgiveness and resilience, flexibility and humor. When life seems unbearable or confusing, when parenting seems to separate them instead of bind them, guide them in ways of your son, Jesus Christ. Bring them to this place where our purpose is pure, where the message is clear, and where the yoke is so easy as we live together in your name. Help us to share with great joy the raising of these children as our own. Inspire us to know their names and to seek them out and to hear their stories. And now we ask that you set these waters apart so that what is common is now inspired by your Holy Spirit, that these waters be redemptive and renewing as we wash these children in the love that is un unmatched above all else, the love of your Son, Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Amen. I think that Nora is three minutes older. <laughs> Nora Henning, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen. Emery? Emery Hazel, child of the covenant. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen. See how amazing God's love is that we shall be called children of God. There were two heartbeats, and there were four legs and four arms and two souls, and one magnificent surprise for Jonathan and Lauren. And yet these are two individual, unique souls that God has known before they were ever a twinkle in their parents' eyes. You see, for these two girls, Christ was born. For these children, Christ walked and taught, prayed and healed. For these children, Christ suffered on the cross and died. For these two girls, Christ rose again from the dead. They do not know anything about this. They just know that they are loved and cherished and uniquely special. You see, we love God because God loves us first. Lauren, <laughs> Lauren and Jonathan joined Selwyn Avenue during a global pandemic. They have raised these children on their own in their house over these last many months, separated from many of you who are with us here this morning. And they've stepped here into the sanctuary so that the promises of baptism may be true for them. Emery Hazel has been given the name of her mother's, her grandmother's middle name. And Nora Henning has the name of her father and her father's father. From generation to generation, we inherited, we inherit God's grace. Selwyn Avenue, I know you're out there. And what I'm asking you to do is to get to know this family. The baptismal vows we take today are real. Owen and Amelia, you're twins and you're here in this sanctuary. And so I know you know what it's like to be together with your sibling all the time. Take your baptismal vow seriously, and I know your parents will too. This is Emery and Nora. They are children of Lauren and Jonathan Korch. They are children of Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church, and they are children of God. Nora Henning Korch and Emery Hazel Korch are now identified as children of God in Christ Church. Through baptism, God has put his seal upon Nora and Emery to share with us all the benefits of Christ's sacrifice. Let us be supportive of Jonathan and Lauren as they nurture their children and assist them to be faithful disciples. With joy and thanksgiving. We welcome Emery church. For we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you to share the good news of God's love with you and to celebrate with you God's unfolding blessings.
And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and grant you peace on this day and forevermore. Amen. My papers are all wet. <laughs> oh, we continue our, our preaching series through the Gospel of Mark, this book of Mark. We know that Jesus hits the ground running. The Son of God is on the loose, and we better look out. There's no place or person out of reach. It's a politely titled preaching series, Walking with Jesus. So far, he's been baptized, commissioned, and tempted. He's called his disciples from the edge of the sea to fish for people. And this morning in chapter 4, we find his feet firmly planted on solid ground, teaching through parables like the one we used in our call to worship this morning. Sounds pretty good. But now we interrupt this regularly scheduled program with some breaking good news. A storm is coming. Let us hear God's word found in Mark chapter 4, verses 33 through 41. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything private to his disciples. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took with them in the boat. Just as he was, other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. 
Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, who is this then that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brad Panovich, chief meteorologist at WCNC Charlotte and self-diagnosed weather geek extraordinaire with a degree in atmospheric science. Unlike the rest of us, the man loves thunderstorms and blizzards and hurricanes. He's obsessed. He spends the majority of his time predicting storms and planning for storms and analyzing storms. And with almost 230,000 followers on Facebook, 124 of whom I know, not only is he very good at his job, but the rest of us who know how damaging and dangerous storms can be rely on folks like him. If we know what's coming, if we can avoid being inconvenienced or hurt or, God forbid, killed, I have a friend who refers to Brad on a daily basis. She has a t-shirt that reads, I'm a Brad Fanovich. Brad says we can relax. Brad reports we should buy milk. Brad says to carry an umbrella. I appreciate Brad as much as the next charlatan, but let's face it. We do not need a weatherman to warn us of this sort of danger. All Brad would have had to have done to prevent the entire debacle back in Galilee was to remember what scripture had told them over and over and over again. Forget about sowing seeds on dry land. The moment the sea enters the picture, someone is on the verge of going under. Nothing stable or predictable ever happens on the sea. The sea is uncontrollable unknown, unformed. It is uncreation, as one scholar wrote. Noah and his ark, Jonah and his whale, Israel and their passage across the Red Sea. The sea has a mind of its own. It is dangerous and demonic, utter chaos. But you see, something had already happened to the lives of the disciples, something they saw something they experienced, something they learned about God as children or as youth, something about their lives and their faith became real and transformative whenever Jesus was around. And so they dropped their nets at the edge of the sea, and they left their families, and they left their jobs, and they turned away from the cultural expectations, whoever people told them they should be, and instead they walked and they followed, and they watched, and they listened. Let's cross over to the other side. They trusted. The sun was setting, and they stepped into the boat. <laughs> Rule number one, if you get into a boat with Jesus, it's going to be a crazy ride. Now, I'm not sure they, if they were expecting a sunset cruise with margaritas or what. But if Brad couldn't have anticipated a storm like this, certainly the disciples couldn't have known either. Rule number two, 
Crossing to the other side is never easy. Everybody knows storms like this are not predictable. Where do you think the phrase out of the blue comes from? Like an unexpected bolt of lightning without warning in the midst of a clear blue sky. Out of the blue, the phone rings. Out of the blue, the truth comes out. Out of the blue, the mistake was made, the anxiety attacked, the test was positive, the miscarriage just happened. Out of the blue, the accident, the sirens, the grief swells. It is as if the sea itself refuses to allow that boat to cross over to the other side. Wind gusting, waves beating, water flooding. We should note that the disciples were not afraid in the midst of the storm. They are simply too busy trying to survive. Which is always the case, isn't it? Survival leaves little time for fear. So as a matter of desperation, they say, hey, Jesus, we hate to bother you, but while you are down there cuddled up in la-la land, we are literally dying up here. They have indignation in their tone. Can't you see, Jesus? I'm sinking. Don't you even care? Save me, O oh God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Hey, Jesus, I did everything right. Yes, I left my comfortable life. Yes, I pledged my faith. Yes, I even got into the boat at night. Even though I'm a fisherman and I, I knew better. You said you were crossing over and so I got into your boat against my better judgment. And frankly, no one ever mentioned gale force winds, the threatening waves, the demonic water. The storm was not part of the plan when we got married or pregnant, or when we stood at the font, or when I said yes to the job or to ordination or retirement or the friendship. There are so many storms. Infidelity, partisanship, fighting depression, pandemics, enemies who lie or cheat or steal, cancer, bullies, parents, teenagers, addiction. Yes, we got into the boat, Jesus, but no, we didn't sign up for this. We cannot by our own accord, we cannot by our own accord make it through storms like this, which makes the fact that Jesus was napping so much more difficult for the disciples to understand. But in the end, it is not the storm that scares the disciples, they are frustrated. In one fell swoop, Jesus woke up and with what could only be a commanding tone, delivers a resounding shut up and pipe down to the winds. And as it is written in Greek, there was a dead calm. Not a great calm, not a peaceful calm, not a comforting calm, a dead calm. As if Jesus had slain the dragons beneath the sea, with the sound of his voice. Talk about fear. Who is this? What have we gotten ourselves into? They can't go back. And clearly Jesus is not as tame or predictable or comforting as they once thought. Back on dry land, you see, Jesus was intriguing, charismatic even. 
back on dry land when they were bored and life was predictable and they had more control. He was interesting and even compelling. Justice and mercy and love and grace for everyone. Well, that makes a lot of sense because we all need that and we're on dry land. But now, when our lives are at risk, who is this? Why are we out here anyway? No one said anything about risking our lives to cross over to the other side. Last week, I read a Facebook post about an issue of inclusion that has been polarized by our partisan culture. There was nothing overtly cruel about the post, but it also did nothing to bring healing or wholeness to the subject. There were quips and jokes and eye rolls. One woman wrote in resignation, I'm just going to escape to a tropical island and pray until Jesus comes back for me. Meaning, I'd rather escape reality than deal with those other people. And although we all need places to rest from the storms of our lives, we aren't on dry land. We're already on the boat. Jesus has already put us at sea. And I hate to tell you, I hate to tell you what or who is waiting for us on the other side. I promise you it's not a welcome party with a steel drum band. The other side, and we will read this in Mark chapter 5, has a whole lot of pigs in a gaggle full of uncouth, unworthy, unfaithful, unclean, unwelcoming people. The exact people we're really trying to escape from on the other side. Let's take a minute and think about them. They rest firmly in our heads and in our hearts. We see them and hear them, whoever they are. We don't trust them any more than they trust us. Not yet, anyway. As Ted Wardlaw once said, there is a reason we have our side and they have their side. We've got boundaries and rules and standards to make sure it stays that way, too. Institutional barriers, historical patterns, personal opinions and experiences. And so there are things that we will and we won't do. We have our standards and values. You see, crossing boundaries, that's unnatural. Even the demonic sea knows that. Why else do you think it was protesting? Brian Blunt explains that the author of the Gospel of Mark uses the verb for crossing over only one other time in the entire Gospel. Seems it's easier for a poor camel to be forced and pushed and pulled and prodded and greased up and wiggled and pulled and squeezed it's easier for that camel to cross over or through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter God's kingdom. Well, the sea messes with all of those boundaries, which may be why Jesus got in the boat in the first place. The sea is fluid. It ebbs and flows back and forth. Where does our side end and their side begin anyway? There is no line Jesus did not cross. There is no boundary or barrier Jesus did not break. There is no rule Jesus did not reform or reinterpret or reimagine. There is no pattern of oppression or depression or complacency that Jesus did not interrupt 
Yes, crossing over is dangerous and scary, but we've got a problem, you see. By our calling in baptism, our dying and our living with Christ, in Christ, for Christ, we're already in the boat. No wonder Nora was protesting this morning. Now it seems that Jesus will stop at nothing with his agenda of mercy and justice and love and grace. Is there anywhere he won't go? Is there any storm Jesus can't tame? Yes, there will be demonic winds, more than we bargained for. There will be threatening and chaotic waves, more than we could ever handle on our own. But there is no human on earth unworthy of Jesus' saving grace. Who is this then that even the sea and the winds obey him? Amen. future holds, not to worry about tomorrow, but you know how difficult we find to heed your words, for we worry about so many things, our families, our friends, our circumstances, some worries big and some worries small. We come before you this day with our big and our small worries, with the confidence that we can lay them all at your feet. We bring you our big worries for our physical and mental health, our worries about happiness and security for ourselves and our loved ones. We bring our big worries about the world we live in and its future existence as we continue to fail to address so many problems. Our big worries for a world and for all those who are isolated, ill, 
and tired from fighting this deadly pandemic. We bring big worries about the ways people in our world are treated less than human, exploited, ignored, and abused. Loving God, we know that you are concerned with every aspect of our lives. So we also bring you the little things that concern us, the worries that keep us awake at night, the worries that only you know, the hard emotions that are tied up in complicated relationships, the ways we criticize and judge ourselves too harshly. Living God, we pray that you might reach out to all those whom the future brings fear and uncertainties. Assure them that you are with them, even when that future seems dark and the circumstances feel like they're spiraling out of control. Remind them that you are able to transform even the bleakness of situations, bringing healing and wholeness. In our biggest and our smallest storms, remind us that you are God, a God who speaks calm to chaos, who freely renews and forgives all. Lord, we make our prayers to you in faith, for we know that your spirit is at work in our world, making all things new. We pray all these things and the silent prayers that rest on our hearts in the name of your Son, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, God has showered us with good gifts, and in response to that love, it is our turn to give in return, to give of our hearts, to give of our minds, our energy, and our resources. Our text to give number is 704-734-9818. Come, let us give to God with joy.
dedicate our gifts to God, praying together in one voice. Let us pray. O God, who harnesses the wind and calms the storm, we find ourselves scattered across the earth, yet you have drawn us together as your church. May the offering brought this day be used as seeds, planted faithfully and nurtured lovingly, so that God's way may be realized anew in this world. Amen. And now may the heavens open up and pour God's Holy Spirit and grace upon you, for you have been raised to new life in Christ, and so may all you do shine forth God's love, power, grace, and joy until we meet again. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.